while I was gone, there was a uh, new evidence or new documents uh, in the Delphi case, the Richard Allen case, the uh, the murders of Liberty and Abby. And basically the defense dropped 136 pages worth of um, documents pertaining to, you know, kind of pointing into a different direction other than Richard Allen. Like, I know you've heard about it. What are your first reaction to the, you know, what's being said, what's being brought up? I know we're going to talk about it and we'll explain it, but, you know, you hear that this is probably a ritualistic sacrifice is what is being described as, and that there are other people possibly involved. What are your initial thoughts there, Big Blue? I I mean, unless they find the evidence of like the crime scene when there's a bunch of footprints and everything, I don't think it was uh, somebody else there. They would have you know, been looking for our different types of people. Would have said it's more than one person when they did the investigation. So, I, well, I just think they're they're trying to throw out the, the blame, so it won't be so much on him. Right after Richard Allen's arrest, they were kind of hiding some things, and they said that it was because of. And when I say they, I, I mean the prosecution. There were some things that were being sealed. We weren't seeing everything right away. And, and the statement was something to the effect that, you know, to protect the case and possible you know, other suspects, you know, that they may be going for. And a lot of people thought that that was Keegan Klein because Keegan Klein was, you know, talking to Liberty. He was catfishing her. And apparently they had set up an arrangement to meet up at one point. So I do remember that aspect of it, that they were looking into him um, because he was in contact with her. They were looking into Keegan Klein. You know, remember the, the law enforcement talked to him and then there was all of a sudden the, um, there was a search at the Wabash River or Wabash River. And then there was the arrest of uh, a search warrant conducted at uh, Richard Allen's residence. And then um, about a couple of days later, there was arrest. Given that timeline and stuff, you know, I felt fairly confident that uh, they got their guy, that this was the only guy. But after reading this and knowing the details of the crime scene, I don't I strongly suspect there are there are more people involved in this. I'm not saying that Richard Allen isn't one of them, but I do think that there are more people involved in this. So um, we'll go through it. We'll look into it. And you know, I think that it's quite possible that Richard Allen was just the guy that was sent up to the bridge to retrieve uh, the girls. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so, yeah. Uh, but, I haven't seen too much into the actual documents. Uh, this will be a first for me. Some right. of the clips and the other um, podcasts talk a little bit about it. It's pretty wild. Let's uh, let's start it. Let's get into it. So this is um, the crime scene itself. <clears throat> now, trigger warning. Uh, this is pretty graphic. Um, it, and be uh, warned, you, you know, you don't handle these type of uh, descriptions because it, it does appear to be very graphic. It is very graphic. So if you if that's not your, your deal, I wouldn't listen to this part. But it says here, part of the crime scene, when the members of the search party uh, found the girls in the late morning of February 14, 17, Abby and Libby had been missing for approximately 22 hours. The scene was ghoulish. Libby was found at the base of a tree with four tree branches of varying sizes intentionally placed in a specific and arranged pattern on her naked body. Libby was positioned flat on her back with her arms stretched above her head, touching the base of a large tree. Libby's right hand was covered in blood. Libby's left hand was covered in blood. Blood spots and blood droppings were seen all over Libby's body from head to toe. Just right there in that one scene, they're describing how the scene was staged. And, you know, we had gotten word that the uh, the girls were moved. And uh, this tells us a lot of information about the crime scene. All of Libby's clothes were taken off and she had sticks on her shaped into a V. Go through the description and then I'll bring up a picture that the uh, that was brought up on court TV. Libby's right arm was placed along the side of her body. Uh, one tree branch had been placed on her left shoulder. This branch was so long that it extended above Libby's 
head several feet and below her legs for several feet as well. Now, I have a question about these, these limbs and branches and stuff. You know, were they from there or were they brought there? You know, I know it's it's wooded and stuff like that, but I'm, I, I wonder if there was a way of testing that, you know, trying to figure out if there's branches or, or things that are missing. I mean, it, it, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it would be something where they would have to, when they, I remember from pictures in the past, they had the crime scene tape going on over the place. So if they did the chopping into the wood there, the tree branches, there would be evidence of that. But if not, then somebody brought it with them intentionally. But then it would be somebody, car- see somebody carrying a huge stick. You know what I mean? If it's bigger than her, and she was like at least five, what, five, 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 four, or maybe five, right, seven. Yeah. I don't remember her height no more. It's been a while. Talked about her she was, yeah, she was about, I think she was about, she was, she was a girl, but she, I don't know how tall she was either. But yeah, it, it extended several feet. So even if she was five, six, five, eight, it wouldn't make the, the, the long branch was several feet above her head, several feet below her feet. You know, you're talking probably, you know, you're saying several. So maybe a 10 foot branch. Yeah, about eight to 10, maybe. Somebody would be walking through the trails with that, they would be seen. So maybe they just got it from around there. They had time. Yeah. So the other thing was, um, I remember from the crime scene where they, I guess they crossed the river. Remember, and there yeah. was like their clothes was on one side. I think. Yeah. I wonder if they have like footprints in the in the, in the mud from the uh, multiple shoe prints. That's right. Something the police would have because that way they would probably kept that part secret. So they investigate the person they arrest to check, you know, boot prints and stuff like that when they get arrested. Yeah. No, you're right. So he, here, here's the uh, where everything was at. Right. This is this is the scene. Here's the uh, an air view picture of where the uh, the trail is, where the bridge is, the Monon High Bridge. There are some dots on here that reference different areas on this map. So over here near, right here, Big Blue, there is a cemetery right next to uh, Ron Logan's address. And this is where the girls were, the girls' bodies were found, right? There is a possible entrance through here, through the back. And somebody could come down here and get here without... Um, not being spotted. Yeah, it was, I mean, here's the other thing. Remember, he was wearing some heavier clothing, right? He had on a jacket, and it was considered an un, unusually warm day for the area. You know, there was a lot of speculation that maybe perhaps he'd been out that morning, you know, all morning, since the cold, you know, just kind of you know, watching, you know, looking for something, you know, trolling around. My thoughts are, if they went to the extent, because there's this goes into pretty huge extent of the uh, the crime scene, and... um if they're going to that extent, it has to be pre-planned. And I would think that they would have probably, you know, been there a while uh, before the girl showed up. Now, I had a question about why Richard Allen is seen on, on this highway here at the uh, his hardware store going towards, you know, the old CPS building. When his work, his home, you know, they were east of that area. And there's no real road that makes sense as to why he would be traveling uh um, I found on this back road, right? I, I couldn't figure it out. Now, yeah. you know, Ron Logan, you know, his address is up here. So it crossed my mind. Maybe he knew him. Maybe they, you know, they were acquaintances or whatever the fact, right? Or they knew that there's just some old guy that lives here and that he's probably not going to be down here in this area. And they pre-planned this and Richard Allen came down and helped with, you know, whatever part, right? And, you know, the the planning or getting these pieces of sticks and branches together or whatever. And he his job is to go get the girls, right? Because there were three juveniles that saw somebody matching Rick, um, Rick Allen's description. And Rick Allen himself stated that he was on the trail and he saw three juveniles. He entered the trail. So they 
these two um, parties, the three juveniles and Richard Allen, both basically uh, have the same statement, right? That they saw yeah. each other. So we know he was there, yeah. right? And he puts himself there. Yeah. But and then, so there's they, also the eyewitness that saw somebody walking all muddy and bloody back on the side of the road, like that, and you know, can put description into well according according to the uh this documents and there's 136 of them that that person's statement one didn't say muddy and bloody that supposedly it was just muddy and that the person was wearing a tan jacket not a blue one you know i, I saw that in places i actually haven't read that myself but i've been trying to catch up on the case and i heard that on the different podcast and they had pulled it up so i assume it was correct when when richard allen comes into the trail these three juveniles say that he was walking with a purpose like he had to get there right he gets there just before uh you know the wit- uh the victims do Libby and abby and he is possibly seen on the Mont, uh, the Mohan High Bridge by a witness, and he himself puts himself on that bridge, you know, saying that he's looking at fish, right? He also, in my opinion, somewhat matches the description of the bridge guy, right? He he comes here, he, he maybe possibly leaves, and, you know, we say that these girls probably passed him, he probably turned around, and maybe that's why they thought he was creepy. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if you pass somebody, because they took some pictures, right? The girls took pictures where they were on the bridge, and they were walking on the, uh, on the, on the wood you can see behind him there's nobody there so i think that there's a possibility there that he passed them up turned around maybe had some question question himself on what he was about to do and then decided to continue and went forward right that's all speculation and, and you know richard allen is innocent until proven guilty and everything we're talking about here is just allegedly right so <clears throat> the video was taken at 2 13 p.m i think this is important to note as well and I believe it was what 3 30 when somebody saw the muddy bloody guy right not putting that in quotations because i don't know if the person was actually muddy and bloody heading back towards the old cps building on, on this back road here right it's just muddy so, but you know he's still on the water somehow right that gives that gives him how much time from 2 13 to 3 30 that's an hour and 17 minutes and that's when he's walking so he would have had to have walked through the tr- uh through this through this area on ronald logan's property he would have had to have walked up and up to the uh the street here to be seen and so that probably going to take at least a good five minutes the terrain is pretty pretty thick there now, i know it was it was winter time so it was uh the trees were naked basically but you know there's still a lot of them and so i, I would probably think it let's measure it out yeah i mean it was a bunch of it was like more like fall time so there was still leaves on the tree but i remember when we saw the the pictures there were just leaves everywhere on the ground too so let's just say he went straight up that's four football fields if he's walking you know or or even if he went at an angle right that's 500 football fields almost 600 football fields between where the bodies were found and and this road that he was supposed supposedly seen at at 330. In my opinion, I think it's probably more like maybe maybe an hour, an hour's time. You know what I'm saying? So an hour to do everything. Let's continue this with that in mind that this took only an hour. Libby was placed naked, nude without her clothes, underneath the tree, with her hands up with a bunch of sticks on her in the shape of a V, and they were fastened there, right? Um they specifically say there, so well, I'll uh, I'll continue it. I think it's I think I got to that part yet. Libby's right arm was placed alongside her body. One large branch had been placed on her left shoulder. This branch was long that extended above Libby's head several feet and below her legs for several feet. Two smaller branches formed a V where her legs joined her body. Both sides of the V extended upward towards Libby's head with one branch extending to the left of Libby's head and the other to the right of Libby's head. The last of the four 
branches extended across Libby's body, a line from her right shoulder to her left shoulder. This fourth branch also connected with the branches and placed under both branches that formed the V. Libby's sliced neck was partially covered by this fourth branch. There appeared to be no blood sprayed or dripped onto the leaves or the tree near Libby's head and neck. It appeared likely that Libby had been, her life had been taken at a nearby tree and then dragged to her final resting place where she was then positioned, having the tree limbs placed on her in a very specific pattern. The actors in this case treated Abby very differently. Abby was found just a few feet from Libby. Her body was not placed parallel, uh, rather at an angle with Abby's legs just a few feet away from Libby's legs. However, both of their heads were found fewer feet apart from each other. So that sounds like, um, although they were a few feet apart, it sounds like they were kind of making a V formation. Is that what it, what it sounds like to you? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. The V and then like the cross at the bottom. You know? Yeah. Like a Significant difference existed between Libby's body and was found in how Abby's body was found. Abby was not Found at a base of a tree, Abby was fully clothed. In fact, Abby was dressed in Libby's sweatshirt and jeans. No blood appeared on Abby's clothing, meaning meaning that she was her life was likely taken while undressed and then dressed by the actors in this case after she expired and after her blood had stopped spilling from her neck area. So she was also attacked in the neck. We have to assume that Richard Allen by himself was on the on the bridge, forced these girls down down the hill cross this creek which according to this document goes up to about three and a half feet and he's only five foot four so that's about chest high cross over do these girls you know while they're alive have them undressed and then without them screaming or any of those things by himself i'm not buying it what do you think blue yeah like i think for one of them not uh, i said this since the beginning for them one of them not to have tried to run yell scream or fight like um we know a gun was used in the situation, but even at mm -hmm. that, one of them might take the risk to yeah. get help. But, uh, I think it, it is sounding more like he might have had help. But I mean, he's the one that, if he knows the truth, then he can point the police to the right people to get those other people off the street. He's the one that has to talk, but I don't think he will. I mean, we saw how he's acting all crazy now that he confessed by accident, thinking that the conversations between him and his wife are going to be recorded. Well, he talks that. about that. He, they talk about that situation here. Actually, they talk about how there's this Odinites, right? That this is a religion and not everybody that's an Odinite goes to this length or whatever. I, I don't really, I'm not really familiar with it at all. I don't know, but I do have read and heard that it was um, not common for these things to be done, right? Out of this group, but that within that group, there is a subgroup. There's a group of radical radicals and that are basically witnesses and Apparently, according to Richard Allen, he's saying that some of the guards have this, you know, uh, Odin type of patches on their uniform and that he was threatened that his wife and, and kids would be harmed and that they basically told him that they would be harmed if he didn't his wife and tell them and confess to her. I know it's a little far-fetched, but what do you think? I don't know, man. It's, it's one of those things where if that is the case, he, you know... He's talking, so they're gonna move him, put him in solitary. You know, maybe he's already there. They, they're, they're gonna have to move him to another place, another facility. Yeah, somewhere 
different part of the state. I think he, he I think with all this, he's still trying to get placed like in a um, you know mental facility. I think he's um not play the system to get somewhere else. You know, I'm still so, maybe it is true. It's, but you know, maybe the the badges can also be you know certain groups of officers or workers have a certain like emblem to represent them. I don't know like how big this religion Odinism. You know, it's one of those things where two innocent little girls lost their lives, man. It's it's, it's exciting to talk about sometimes. So, you know, my condolences go out to the families. You know, our condolences is sad, man. uh, By this time, they would have been around 21, right? Or they would have been already adults by now. Yeah, they would have been adults by now. No, it's it's extremely sad. It sounds like they were, based on this, it sounds like they were, uh, they had stopped spilling blood, right? That sounds like they were drained. You know what I'm saying? Uh, how long do you think that process would have taken? I mean, the slice of the neck, a few minutes, and if you get a big artery, it'd take a few minutes. Well, a few minutes to, to pass, but how long would it take for the blood to come out of the body, like to, to completely exit it to completely. using gravity? Yeah, just using gravity. They're 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 expired. A person, or you know, let's look at a deer. Have you ever done that to a deer? Uh, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I've seen so, deer and goats. It only takes a few minutes. Yeah, it takes a little bit of time. So that has to, happen. and also the staging has to happen within an hour by one person. It just doesn't sound right. So let's let's continue this. Abby's hands were clean, no blood. Abby's feet were clean, no blood. No other blood was found around Abby's neck area uh, where the uh, assailants had inflected the fatal wound. Very little, if any, blood was found anywhere else on Abby's body or clothing. I don't know how to say this word, but I think you know what it is, Blue. Uh, I'm going to highlight it for you. It's like juxtaposition. Yeah, juxtaposition. What is that? I think that's, oh, never mind. That's uh, of, of spots and streaks of blood found all over Libby's body with a lack of blood on Abby's body. Okay, that's just saying that there was that lack of blood on Abby's body undergarments as well. So they also put back on undergarments, not just the outside clothes, but the undergarments as well. Overgarments is stark to very little. The murderers appear to through great lengths to keep Abby's body clean from blood. I don't know that, that aspect of it. Yeah, and then right there they admitted they put murderers, you know, in this. Well, this is from the defense. They're claiming that you know, there's other yeah. people involved. So you got to also take this with a grain of salt. You know, remember in the, the Brian Koberger case, you had a situation where you know the, the defense is saying that um, they, you know, the prosecution were questioning their, you know, were tampering with their witness and all these other things, horrendous accusations against them. And the defense was like, no, it's just, you know, she was recanting. So FBI went to go talk to her. And I don't know if that's good or not or appropriate or not, but two different views uh, of the situation. One of it downplaying it probably below what it needs to be downplayed and one of them overplaying it. You know what I'm saying? So the truth is probably somewhere in the middle there. You get what I mean? Abby was found on her back. However, unlike Libby, Abby's elbows were bent with her right and left arms both placed on her chest. Abby's left hand and left hand and arm near the left side of her face, and her right hand and arm near the right side of her face. Something like like this. Also, Abby's left leg was straight, while her right leg was bent at the knee. The murderers also placed the bent right leg underneath her left leg. Like Abby, those involved, the murderer had placed three branches in a specific pattern on top of Abby. The pattern looked very similar to an asterisk consisting of three branches all joined in the middle. And it says number 17, which is this configuration is a spot on resemblance for the ruin called Hegel. This ruin is used to uh, depict the word hail. Therefore, the combination of the Hagel ruin found on Abbey 
and the and noose ruin found on the tree combined would proclaim Hail Odin. This Hail Odin is one of the many Easter eggs Brad Holder left behind on his Facebook page on multiple posts. So there was apparently above Libby, it would probably say it right here, here in a minute. I don't think I passed that. All right, right here it says, in addition to the unusual way the girls were, including a stick formations placed on their bodies, another unusual marking was found nearby a tree, a symbol that looks similar to the Letter F appeared approximately four feet above the base of the tree. It says number 19. Uh, the F resembles the ruin called An Anzu, which stands for Odin. Again, when paired with the Hagel ruin found on Abbey, the combination would proclaim Hail Odin. This F symbol was the same F symbol found in many of Brad Holder's Facebook pages, which will be attached, including Holder's creepy self-drawn illustrations in which a red F ruin was found in the base of the tree. Your man to be sacrificed. So let me pull those images up real quick. Yeah, they're pretty crazy, man. It, it is, dude. It's insane. So, like, and remember, we're supposed to believe one person did this. Now, I think that this drawing is is wrong a little bit um, because I, it it said that this is Libby, right? And these are supposed to be the symbols that are, are the are the branches that were left on their bodies. It said that the long branch extended above her head several feet, and that was on her left shoulder, and that um, it went down past her feet several feet. So I think that this branch was more uh, straight. I think this tree was probably a little bit more to the right, and it went along the tree like that, and it went straight down. Um, I'm not sure about this asterisk, if that's the way it was described, because no, I don't think it was that. Yeah, and I'll show you why. So when they describe sometimes the body parts, they go sagittal, you know, sagittal planes. Uh, you know, you ever seen the picture of the guy with the palm sword? That's what they use to be able to describe the body. So it's always the left side that's going to be the left side. But even if you're facing the wrong way, it's still your left side. So it's, it's the way that you would look at them facing them. Well, I think this picture is depicting facing Adam because the left arm is on the right side and the right leg bent. And as you can see, they're kind of at an angle. Now, this is Brad Holder. This is the guy is one being basically accused of Steam as having some sort of involvement. They even go into his alibi, into into a lot about this guy. And apparently he was investigated by police and cleared. But this is the asterisk that he had on uh, on his finger. And if it was, they said that this asterisk on his Facebook that he put on his finger on, on April 7, 2017, was very similar to the asterisk that was found on the body, right? And they said that there was one branch that went across the neck, basically. I think this is where, you know, that's where it was. This is the asterisk, possibly, right? On this post, Brad Holder says, so the past two days I've drawn to the Jibo ruin. Last Saturday I hit it on the way to work. Earlier this week I sold my Dodge for that money. I ordered a new bumper. This morning I hit a raccoon on the way to work. Not that I don't appreciate gifts the gods are giving me, both positive and negative. I don't think my nerves can handle much more gifting, giving, gift giving. Let's try to slow this down within Issa Ruin. Issa Gibo, Issa. I don't want to continue to read that. But what do you think about that? And this was April 7, 2017. So this is just, what, two months after, almost two months after the incident? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it was. Um... The Viking gods, the one, or which kind of gods are they? Yeah, raising? yeah, yeah, Viking. Yeah, there's a bunch of them, man. So it's just pretty crazy that uh, that uh, the way the sticks were formed on them, man. We didn't know that. All of a sudden, they kept it, and that. Yeah. And so this is the F. This is uh, an illustration that that was on Court TV last night, right, representing the F that was drawn on the tree, and it does look like in the uh, the main part of the F, uh, the part going down, uh, angled and down. You know, it looks like dots, right? 
some people say maybe perhaps it's blood splatter. Maybe it could be, but it, you know, you're looking at, you got to remember the texture of, of the side of a tree, right? It, it's not smooth. And so if somebody put two fingers in and then, you know, drew the F, I think that's what it would look like on, on bark. What do you think, Blue? Yeah, it wouldn't be, you know, if it's bark on there, it's going to skip pieces, you know, because it, it, it grooves. And for it to be splatter, it'd be more everywhere. Right. I agree. This is the F that they're trying to say. I don't know if it's an F. It could be. It very well could be. But it does look like it has the possibility of being drawn on. This is a stretch to say that this is an F. You know, they have so many symbols. It could be something else. But you know what? Yeah. They did, you, you they see... did say uh, that her body had, like, the blood triplets everywhere, right? It could be the, 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 the motion of them swinging. Whatever they were swinging, like, probably a branch dipped in blood or something right. to cause those. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. That means it wasn't just like a crime opportunity. It was planned. Uh, did they know what religion Richard Allen was? Apparently, according yeah, no, according to the defense, no ties or is not linked to Odism. I never even heard of that religion till today. Uh, apparently, it's a growing one up in the you know Midwest and, and in that area. It, it's uh, it's been it's, it's bigger than what I would have known. Now, this is a um, a painting of Brad Holders that he he created and he put on his Facebook. I want to say it was like three days, three to four days after the anniversary, the first anniversary of Libby and Abby's life being taken taken away. And this is a drawing that he put on there on his Facebook, and it said something to the effect like, you know, hell, Odin. Curious thing is, this is not the best picture, but there is an F right there inside that cir the circle. And on, I've seen a clearer picture than this, that it, it is a clear F in there. Now, you see he's, he's hung upside down, and he's dripping blood. I, I think that the scene kind of describes this, you know, from what we've seen, you know, not to the extent of this, but like, you know, especially Abby, she'd have blood on her. I think the, uh, from what I had heard and understand too, is that the scene didn't have that much blood, you know, around. Yeah. And so it appears that the blood was collected somehow. It, it, it sounds like it might have because it, they would have said it was all over the one spot. Because when you bleed, man, you bleed out a lot. And mm -hmm. then to be tripped all over her body, it means somebody was able to like collect from the pool of it and sprinkle it. The, drop, yeah. the blood would, would make droplets, but to do it all over her body like they explained it, they would need a lot of it. Oh, I forgot to mention this holder guy. No, I don't know if he's involved at all. I don't, I'm not familiar with him prior to this document being put out. His son was getting liberty at one point. Like, do you think that that could be a, you know, we know that she was trying to invite, you know, kids to the Monhon High Bridge. We've heard from, uh, you know, students or kids, kids that were, um, there was one boy in particular who stated that, he had gotten invited to go to the bridge and from his understanding that Libby and, and, and Abby were trying to get people to go and he couldn't, he had to go help his dad. So is it possible that his son was one of the people that maybe they tried to get going? Somebody, somebody said they were dating Abby. No, I'm not, like two people said that. I'm not sure. I have to read into the documents. What, what, uh, that what? He was dating Abby. I thought it was, I could have sworn it said Libby, but all right. I mean, it could be Abby. I'll go back and read the document again. But these were also pictures that he had on his Facebook. So this is, you know, some of the things that he was saying in, in, in the comment section. I'm sick of this. Just put me smack dab in the middle of this again. So saying again, meaning that he was investigated probably very thoroughly, you know, uh, in the beginning. Despite what the defense says, remember, you got to take what they're saying with a grain of salt. They're going to exaggerate a lot of things to create doubt, right? Laura tells him, I'm sorry, can't even imagine. The worst part of these armchair detectives. 
<laughs> He's referring to you and I, Big Blue. Just so you know. Hey man, we've been we've been called out by a lot of people, and I'm surprised that he's called us out too. <laughs> so this is uh, this is another photo that he posted. I think it was on the year anniversary or one of the anniversaries of the passing. Stop child predators. You know, and this is with him without a beard. I think during the time of this incident, he had a pretty big beard. So I don't think he's the guy that's on the bridge. Uh, apparently, he was at work or something. I, I don't. I don't know, you know, but he does wear those hats. And that was one thing that pointing out is, you know, he wears those type of hats. He could be the bridge guy. You know, he is um, you know, somebody I, you would expect to be, you know, looked at. Now, the fact that his son was dating one of the victims at one point, I think that is kind of weird. And, you know, it should be investigated at the very least. You know what I'm saying? It was that child and, you know, that kid, his son invited to the, that area. Did they have knowledge that they were going out there that morning beforehand? Yeah. There, there, there could be evidence of that. It says here under Abby's left lower back was a shoe. Was a, a shoe was found. This shoe is believed to be Libby's shoe. Under the shoe, a cell phone was found. The cell phone was later determined to be Libby's phone. Uh, this information was confirmed by the recent disposition testimony of Liggett, Leesenby, and Holman. According to recent depositions taken by Sheriff Liggett, the famous video of the, the person that many call Bridge Guy was found on additionally alleged uh, between the girls buried under the leaves and dirt was a single bullet. So that the bullet was buried under the dirt, under the leaves. I don't say how much, right? You know, it could have been stepped on or something during some sort of scuffle and kind of got pushed into the ground. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, I wonder how, like, maybe when they were moving stuff around into uh, this pocket and then, you know, just when the girls' bodies are they covered it. Yeah. You know, like I said, I... Is it possible? Think about this, Blue. Is it possible that, you know, the defense is putting this out there? They named people by names. There's like five names in here, right, of people that could possibly be involved. And the way they, they the reasoning behind it is that they're saying that um, these guys are more likely than Richard Allen to have committed this crime based on the information from the scene, you know, the things that they've had on their Facebook, you know, the the fact that he's real little, he's 5'4", you know, that he doesn't have the means to do this. You know, the motive, right? Means and motive are, are a pretty big component to, you know, somebody committing a crime and, and convicting them, right? You want to know the means, you want to know the motive. The defense is claiming there's no connection between Richard Allen. There's no, on any other electrical devices or anything, was he ever texting them? Did he have access to, you know, their, their social media pages? Based on the phones and the information they have, that doesn't mean that he didn't have another burner account that, you know, that phone might be in a river somewhere, right? And so uh, they're saying there's no evidence outside of the bullet and him putting himself on the scene that i guess ties him to this case no his dna isn't there the victim's dna wasn't found on any of the search warrant or any of the stuff that was collected in the search warrant they didn't find i don't think they found uh it didn't sound like they found souvenirs or anything based on what they're saying here i think they're looking at like you said the confessions there but they are not saying that he was coerced, coerced to confess uh, right you know so that's a hard one. I'm pretty sure they'll be able to trace it to see if any of the, um, you know, guards or officers or heroes, depending on where he's being held, have any ties to this guy or any ties to that religion and see how that goes. Maybe I mean, the other thing is, too, the other thing is, too, I mean, you look at his health, he's really deteriorating. You look at his body, he looks, he looks like he's lost a lot of weight. Is it possible that he has some sort of paranoia? It may not be, you know, to the extent, you know, that he is relaying that is out there right there might be some folks with odin patches and he might 
you know, think in their mind they're telling him these things about his family. But could it be not real? It could be. It could be, you know, a part of his imagination he made up. He, he has been, and this is the part where, where it's like, I'm not trying to blame him or victim shame, but like, he has been committed to a psych ward for a while. He turned he Ooh, and a psych ward. Not a site where a rehabilitation or a mental facility for a couple of days before this happened. So maybe, you know, he's deteriorating and that affects a lot on the brain. Maybe. But, you know, what I'm thinking is, though, is it possible that, you know, with his rapid weight loss, his uh, emotional roller coaster that he's gone through, is it possible that he's now going under some set of psychosis, you know, insomnia? Apparently, he's refusing to eat, he's refusing to do things. You know, th- I think those can coordinate to, um, a person who it's not impossible to, you know, or not improbable to think that he might be a little bit paranoid and delusional, right? Not saying that he is. I, I don't know, right? But what if uh, it is true? Is this threat is throw a curveball? What if it is true and they threaten to poison him and that's why he's not eating? I mean, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. You so know, it's one of those things where, like, there's going to be so much uh, people going down rabbit holes with these stories that already well, know what we want to believe. The more so, believable. The more believable story would be uh, they're not feeding him and they're just claiming that he's not eating. You know what I'm saying? So it could be as simple as that. But, you know, I I think that there's probably some cameras in that facility, right? It's freaking 2023. There should be cameras all over the freaking place. Cameras in the cell, cameras outside, you know. You should, there should be cameras everywhere. So, we'll, yeah, I think, I think in the cell, I think they're in there in some, they're just not like in some of the restroom areas so they do get privacy. And then, mm-hmm. you know, outside areas that they have, I don't think he gets any of that kind of stuff. Like, privileges one hour a day, right? daylight or yeah yeah he's in yeah i think he's in solitary based on the fact of you know the nature of the crime apparently you know he gets he also gets harassed by the guards there's been another inmate from the same facility that's i'm saying that he gets harassed and and uh, emotionally abused by the guards i don't know how true or false it is we've heard stories from a lot of who were incarcerated or in or locked up with other in um high profile suspects remember the uh Brian Koberger case, there was a lady who came out of the same, you know, facility. He was released and she was telling people that he was saying, I'm going to cut you or something like that. Not to be completely yeah. false. So you got to take those things for a grain of salt. Some people do like, you know, want their 15 minutes of fame. You know? See, the, the one thing that, that doesn't cross my mind is the defense. You know, they're naming these people by, by their name. And if they are found to be not true, these people can probably sue for defamation. Well, maybe, maybe not, because they're not saying that stuff that's not true, right? You know, to get defamation, you have to be, you know, lying about somebody to defame them. You know, if if these individuals were investigated by law enforcement at a certain time and the defense is bringing that up in question, that's not a, a suable, uh, suable offense. Now, if one of us or a content creator goes out and says, that's definitely the guy, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, then, yeah, we would we would be in trouble. But for like us, I don't I don't know if this guy's involved or not. This is the first time I've ever heard his name. You know, I know I know he's been brought up before and he's been talked of subject of conversation in the past. But we barely got into the Delphi case when Richard Allen was arrested. Right. Or right before his arrest. And yeah. so we don't know all the backstory theories and and um, the conspiracies and the possibilities and the probabilities and the minutia of this case. Like we do, like, for instance, in Idaho, uh, you know, the uh, Brian Coburn, you know, our conversation today is just uh, one of folks that are, I guess, on the outside to a certain extent, trying to have a conversation to figure out, is it logical? 
Is it possible that one person could have committed all these things? And according to the affidavit, if accurate, within an hour, not seen. Yeah. I think there's more people involved. Are the other people involved, you know, these five individuals that the defense has brought up? I don't know, maybe, you know, yeah. they're bringing them up. Do you think that it's possible that he's uh, preparing for a plea deal with this information? I want to say maybe, maybe if he, let's say if, if he was one of the, the bullet puts in there, right? Uh, let's say he was one there, but didn't do the actual slaying. It was just right. one of them that, you know, I guess I kidnapped him because that's what I guess they're going to probably charge him with. And then mm-hmm. part of the murder. So maybe they would put him in a lower maximum prison and not give him life in prison. Yeah, I think there, I think, percent. you know, he, he brings up in this document, like his family and his family's safety and, and things like that. I think that he's going to make a plea. Possibly, if this if this is what it is, he's basically saying, well, without, you know, without going out there and saying, oh, it's those guys. He's, his defense team is coming out saying, hey, there's these five guys that, the, that were looked at briefly, but here's their scenario and why they probably should have been looked at a little bit harder. So it's not really him coming out saying it's them at this point. But who's to say, let's say they tell him, you know, we'll put you in a you know, different place. We'll uh, make sure your family's safe. You know, we'll put him in some sort of, you know, we'll move him somewhere, right? And and for a you know, guilty plea, what do you think? Do you think that's a possibility? Because I think that there's a possibility. That's the reason why he's already five people. Is that hey, there's you know he might know something more. What do you think? I think so, man. I think he's taking the uh, chapter out of the Takashi Six Nine book. You know, <laughs> he's a rat, and hopefully try to get out. And you know, I don't think that's gonna happen. But this is way worse than, than Takashi. But you know, like I think he he might plea if he. Honestly, wasn't the one that did it. You know, if he had help, I mean, I'm not saying he didn't do it, but I'm just saying like he wasn't the only one there. Why is he going to go down? Why is his his family being, you know, threatened? And all these guys get to live their life while he's sitting in a, you know, whatever a cell size is now, eight by ten. Now, do you think? Do you think with this evidence that's out there? Let's just say that's not the case and he decides to go to court, right? Do you think that this evidence, you know, the way that the defense is showing this, that there's going to be some reasonable doubt amongst the jury? I think that the only reasonable doubt that they could be is that he did it by himself. Well, I mean, if, if the prosecutor... Right, right. No, I, I understand all that. But the prosecution has to find a link between, you know, him and Otism or, or him and do they have his cell locations for the entire day? Do they know where he was at? You know what I'm saying? Like those type of things. And I think that the defense is going to have to, or the prosecution is going to have to show how, how despite all of this, um, all of these um, symbols and aging of it being a ritualistic ceremony was done in efforts to what, elude law enforcement about what he did. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. But why blame such a minute group? of people i mean i mean it's growing like i said it's growing i've never heard of it i've seen it like in you know viking movies you know the viking shows where they go play a prey for odin and they have mm-hmm. their uh you know the witches that are priests i call it and, uh, i mean it's a pretty interesting religion but why blame them like what are you gonna get out of it it's such a small group you know it'd be, it'd be you know more of a understanding if he's like oh it was a catholic priest because you know their history yeah now, in here, in this document, there's a uh, apparently a situation where Brad Holder's ex-wife is told by Brad Holder, one of those five guys that are mentioned actually committed this crime against Liberty German and Abigail Williams, and that it was because one of their mothers were in in uh, in, in an inter, interracial relationship, and that that was against their white supremacy, right? I don't know how true or, you know, I, I need to find that part. 
but uh, I had read that in here. What do you think about that statement? Bro? If you know, if it's a legit confession from the ex-wife, uh, there might be some truth in it. I mean, mm-hmm. the only thing that uh, gets out of it is you know putting the ex on a spotlight. You know, for no reason if she, if it's not true. But if it's true, it's like, hey, you know, I kept the secret for you. I'm done. And that you know that, that throws a curveball in there. Let's look at what his alibi was it says um holder's alibi was not scrutinized and evidence supports holder recruited men uh, infirm elvis fields to assist in the abduction and the life and the murders of while holder tried to stand behind Katie alibi mm-hmm. all right so it says whenever holder's name was brought up as a suspect one reason that keep popping up as why holder was cleared as a suspect was his alibi an unclassified fbi report revealed that revealed the work or lack of work that law enforcement performed to check out Holder's alibi. The document is marked Exhibit 65. This report prepared on April 13, 2017. In this report, a Pulaski Sheriff Deputy Frederick Rogers followed up at Liberty Landfill in an attempt to verify the employment and the work schedule of uh, Susan Case from Human Resources stated that Holder's time card showed that I clocked in at 4.55 a.m. and clocked out at 2.45 p.m. Case also said that she would only be the only person that could change, manipulate the electronic time card. Case further admitted that there was a security camera on site. Here's how Deputy Rogers memorialized the part of their investigation. Case advised Brad drives a junky red truck to work with G on the front bumper. Case advised the security camera at the at the scales may have picked up his vehicle coming and going on that day. Case advised that Holder stays on the property for his lunch break. The short report concludes that this case provided this officer a copy of a timesheet for the week showing Brad indeed had clocked in and out on February 13th, and he was still at work on this date. Here's what we don't know about Holder's alibi at work. First and foremost, <clears throat> he's claiming he's at work. There's a camera there shows him, you know, coming and going. He stays there at lunch. You know, he's there to at least 2.45 p.m. We know that this incident had occurred around 2.13. Well, that's where, that's when, thank you, Heather. We appreciate you. That is when bridge, the, the video for Bridge Guy is taken at 2.13 p.m. So we suspect that you know these things happen in within an hour so within you know 2 13 to about you know 3 13 is he seen walking you know at 3 30 right allegedly yeah you know and is that enough time for this guy to get out of work go contribute to whatever's going on you know maybe maybe he's part of the uh again speculation the ceremonial part not necessarily the the um yeah getting that and getting things prepared you know what i mean like the sticks and, and everything you know once everything was done maybe he just possibly i don't know i don't know anything about this guy you know i don't know if he has like a like a history of anything either i'll be checking into those things as we dive more deep into this case it says uh here what we don't know about alibis at holder's alibi at work did someone clock in for holder there's nothing that jay said about the clocking in process that would prevent someone else from clocking in from for in for holder uh, i want to read this footnote it said 93 it says if holder was at work the, the day the deputy showed up to vet holder's alibi it would have been a great time to interview holder and those around him to better determine if holder was at work on monday february 13 2017 so basically what they're saying is when the deputy showed up and didn't ask you know or question holder or ask anybody else about his work that that is some sort of indication that um it's weak I don't, I don't. I don't know. I don't like that. What do you think? Yeah, because they didn't investigate enough to see if he was actually there the, the time they went. They just wanted to see the videos. Well, I mean, you know, recollection and memory, things of that nature, are 
are not the most reliable. But I would want to see time-stamped video footage too. And if there's something that doesn't look right, then that's when you start to investigate people and you start asking questions. You can't really just blindly go and ask somebody a question. You You got to have some information. You have to have something in your back pocket to pull up when you're conducting that interview. You know, like, you know, you'll be talking to somebody and you got to make a friend, so to speak. You know, you try to drop the the shield when you're, you know, talking to a witness and then get them to open up a little bit. And then uh, after that, you you just in your questions. And then like, if something comes up awry, then you just kind of bring that up at that point, right? Like, hey, you know, I know you said this, but, you know, would you be surprised if we have footage of this? What would you think about that? And it may not even be real. Like, they may not even have the footage. I, I've done that before, and it works. Um, people get nervous and say, you know, what, what what they have to say. But you can't just go in there blindly. You have to have something in your pocket, right? Go in there and you just say, hey, you know, was he not there? And he says, no. Well, I mean, that's all you got. Now, if you find out something later, then I guess you can go back and, and, and hit him with that. But I just feel that at that moment, you probably just want to get the legit information. You also don't want to spook him, right? Let's just say that. You know, I know they're talking to some person, so it might get out. But if he's really the guy, you don't want to talk to him in that moment or his closest coworkers in that moment that could tip him off. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, he gets out around the time that the thing happened. Who said that the stuff was placed on them? They been placed that afternoon. They didn't find them till the next day. You know, you know, here's the thing, though, Blue. They weren't that far away from the bridge. And there was an active search going on. I want to say, well... One of the fathers showed up at the trail like at three o'clock because they weren't responding. And he was up and down that area looking for those two little girls. And people started getting called. People started going out there. People started to search that day. I, I strongly don't think that this, I, I doubt, let me put it this way. I, I highly doubt you, you know, especially when I read a little bit earlier that apparently Abby was hitting an artery, but wasn't, it was a smaller one. And so she, she, uh, passed from a slow passing, which was horrific in, in the words that they wrote it, uh, but which is why I didn't say it. But, you know, that has to happen. These girls had to bleed out and all those other things. And I don't think that took an hour. I think that took longer. I don't. I, and the thing is, I don't get how, you know, something wasn't heard or seen from people in that, you know, that were searching in that area. Do you think there's a possibility they took them somewhere else? I don't know. I'm like, it'd be bold, very bold of them because I, I do remember them saying that the, the dad did show up that afternoon and that they started searching like by five or, and then that they stopped searching that night because it got too dark and they started back up again the next day as soon as daylight. Shannon says, you guys got it all wrong. They're not saying this was done in an hour. Well, sorry, ma'am, you got it wrong too. We're not saying they're saying that this was done in an hour. I'm saying that if somebody, if if there's a video taken at 2.13 and if Richard Allen is walking on the uh, back road at 3.30, one would allude that if he was the sole perpetrator of this crime, that that crime was committed within an hour because of the time and distance of him from him to walk to the crime scene, to the street where he was visible. It was probably, it's five football fields. I would assume it's probably going to take 15 to 17 minutes. So, so, you know, that's the reason why I said that it was an hour. Yeah. Hmm. I, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's hard though, because they did search around that afternoon. I remember that. Like, it's been a while since we deep dived into this case, so I don't remember everything off right. the top of my head. Right, right. But so, like, you know, a lot fans. So Here, here's the other thing: they're asking, did did someone clock out for Holder? And here's the thing: they're they're asking these questions without. I don't know. I feel like there's a possibility that things these things were done. Um, but when it came out that he was at work and stuff, I, I think they moved on. But somebody clocked out for him. Did Chase actually watch the video? So they're accusing the deputy of not watching the video. Did anyone in law enforcement watch the video allude to, 
allude to by Chase? And if so, what did they see? So they want to know if anybody else saw something and if Chase was lying about his accounts of what he saw on the tape. Then he goes, even if Holder's truck was viewed on video, was Holder the person driving the truck as it left the work site? You know, I think that may be a, 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 probably the best question when it pertains to the questions that they're asking. Right? It says it's only 24.3 miles or 32 minutes Buffalo, Indiana to Delphi, Indiana. The distance and time was arrived by a simple Google search of the distance between Buffalo, Indiana and Delphi, Indiana. I, I don't know the distance or the time or if there's any type of traffic that's going on through. I think it's a rural area, so it may not really take that long to travel 24 miles it says he could have been in delphi before 315 if holder left at noon and had a buddy clock out for him this is like huge speculation unless they know something do you think they know something you know to be putting this crap out there like i said maybe if, if our richard allen is like hey i wasn't the only one i'm not going down by myself maybe he's right. saying some names maybe he had proof you know and it might not be at home but maybe they right. want the somebody to do some investigation to maybe get some truth out of there or just to rule them out, but just to put a little bit of, uh, you know, benefit of the doubt into the jury pool that they get. Just by reading the chat, a lot of people think Richard is innocent. I, I don't know if he's innocent, but I don't think he did it alone. So, yeah. you know, and, and when I say put out crap like this, it's because they're they're accusing this guy. They're saying that he could have gone there and been there at 315. And, and the, the part that's a speculating aspect is, you know, they're saying that he may have had a buddy, you know, cl clock out for him. You know, I don't know about that aspect. Is it possible that he had? Yeah. But where's your evidence? Where's your receipt for that? You know what I mean? Before you put that up. Illusion that Holder was there all day. Uh, then Holder could have been on the trail by 1 p.m. This is why watching the video and interviewing employees who work alongside Holder would have been a critical step to the investigation. Now, I agree that at a certain point, they probably should have. I don't know if they did or not. Apparently, they talked to the clerk and they got some video of him going and coming. I don't know. Maybe that was enough. Maybe they spoke to somebody that saw him after a certain time, but the defense isn't previewed or privileged to like every document that police officers and, and, and everything that they had done. If they went down something that ended up being a, a dead end, it's not necessarily something that all the information has to be given. Just some of the specifics. Yeah, I was going to say, normally they keep a profile of who they investigated and what they asked. And, you know, because like even, uh, I think they said they had a video when Richard Allen went to go talk to him about his um, being at the park. Yeah. On the trail. And it's not, Richard Allen said he was on the trail, yeah. But, you know, when it comes to this here, right here also, you know, saying that he could have been on the trail by 1 p.m. I think he had a big beard. So I don't think he would be the bridge guy, right? He would have to be, but they say on the trail, so I don't know. They break, so they just go back to those questions. Police ever consider that Brad Holder convinced his minions to abduct and participate in sacrificing the girls until he arrived. Evidence supports this theory, including a sketch of the man observed milling around the high bridge near the spot of the famous video. That sketch resembles Elvis Fields. Even Trooper Purdy can't deny that fact. So, hmm. so these are the people that they are saying that possibly could be involved. There's Brad Holder, Patrick Westfall of Delphi, Johnny Messer of Rushville, 125 miles from Delphi. Elvis Fields, also 125 miles. Rushville's Johnny that, Messer. Okay, what's up, Lou? Are they tying them in because they're like people who are in this religion, or are they tying them in because they're sexual predators that got, have a, you know, you know, a case against them and they have to register to the state yeah they're part of that religion exactly and they have ties to brad holder 
apparently. So, you know, they kind of explain, you know, the, you know, some of that. Interesting, man. There's a lot more to go through. We're going to kind of read through most of this. I just got back into town like super late this morning for my trip. I'll link to the bits and pieces of this. But I wanted to, you know, just kind of have a conversation with you, Big Blue, on talking about what we do know from this. And, you know, the description of the crime scene more than anything was probably the biggest, you know, eye-opening thing for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it definitely doesn't doesn't describe a scene where somebody single-handedly committed that. They also say that one of the branches was like cut, like it was smooth, like it was cut with a saw or something. Uh, oh, okay. You know, so yeah. it just screaming premeditation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because then say uh, when he was on the trail, then like he had a backpack with you know a saw or anything in his hand. He just had whatever he was carrying on. I mean, I, I go back to why you know why was he on on this back road heading heading westbound to the old CPS building in front of the Hoosier Harvest store, right? Like th- that part, that part just kind of bothered me. Like, why would he be traveling down this road? And him walking fast at the trail, you know, leads me to believe that he was going with, you know, he was going with a purpose. There had to be a reason. And I don't find it coincidental that if he was involved in this case, that shortly, I mean, within minutes of his arrival, Libby and Abby, yeah, it was Libby. I was right. Thank you, Angela. And when you put those things together, I just, you know, it just seems to me that there's a good possibility that if Richard Allen committed this crime, which I, I, I don't know, man, <laughs> I'll be honest. I don't know, dude. Like, what do they have on him? They have the freaking bullet and that he was there. He was there. And then the confession. But the thing is, the horse so. and the defense also said that bullet was buried, but they said that there was no clear pictures of where the bullet was taken out. You know, it's resting spot. They basically picked it up and took a picture of it. So they questioned if it was actually buried where it was. Yeah, I would too. I would too. You know, I mean, I, that's that's their job. Their job is to try to get their client off of whatever they're getting accused of and try to break every single theory, every single piece of evidence that they have against him. Find the minutest thing to be able to just get it dismissed. So they're, right. they're, they're they're trying to get, you know, do their job, what they got hired for. So the prosecution is going to have a, with some of this new information, they're going to have a, uh, it's going to be a good case to hear the court dates and stuff. Yeah, man. I'm interested in seeing what, you know, how they're, I'm interested in seeing what the state's response is going to be. Because that one is going to have big details, in my opinion, and also how kind of give us an it's like that yin and yang that we talk about right you you don't want too much of one because if you just take too much of that one side you end up becoming a radical yourself right you kind of want to stay in the center right and for us what we do is we'll look at the things from the perspective of uh of the defense and the prosecution and in order to do that to kind of figure out what is true you know because usually like i mentioned earlier somewhere in the middle you know um we need to get that what the prosecution is saying the Odinism angle is not the reasoning for the search warrant to get thrown out. It's the fact that police lied about what witnesses saw. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, yeah, we didn't. I don't think we said that the Odinism was the angle for the search warrant. Um, we're just talking about Odinism and its possibility connection to the case. What's up? Uh, I don't think um, the witnesses lied because they actually had video and pictures. And you can see, I think, Richard Allen walking by. I remember when those kids were taking like, a selfie, I think, at the bench. Or video no, no, no. The, the lying, I think, is, is supposedly they added bloody to a statement, like, you know, to the guy that was walking down the street. He was apparently just muddy. And it oh, wasn't okay. muddy and bloody. And apparently, I'm not sure if it was him or if it was the witness that saw Richard Allen on the bridge, uh, allegedly. 
may have said that the person they saw had a tan jacket. You know, one of these witnesses saw a tan jacket, not a blue jacket. And so you, you fall in mud, it's going to turn into a tan jacket. Right. But, um, you know, those things were changed. So I understand that. I, I, I would, too, try to get that thrown out. And if they get that thrown out, dude, there, this is going to be one difficult case to prosecute this guy. At this point, you know, according to the defense, they say there's no connection. Where have we heard that before? There's no connection between Richard Allen and the victims. No connection between Richard Allen and Odinism. I don't know, man. The thing is, uh, we don't know what he was wearing under the jacket either. What if he had the jacket tied around his waist and it was covered in mud and the shirt that he had under was tan? We don't know that. Oh, that's, that's possible. That's possible. There was you a know. warmer day. But, you know, that, that like I said earlier, the warmer day and the fact that he was dressed in that manner, bridge guy, right? And they believe, you know, law enforcement has come out in the, past, in the probable cause affidavit. They believe that the person on that video is is either responsible or involved in this case, right? In this incident. And they believe that that person took their lives. You know, you look at the guy in the video, he's dressed head to toe in heavy gear, heavy gear for an unusually warm day. He has a big coat, hat on, a scarf was what it looks like. Uh, I think you can see under shirt and um, also, you know, his jeans. But do you remember when we did the story and there was that road that went under the bridge and there was a truck on it do you remember what color the truck was? the truck cam which one no there was like a bridge right and then and then the tr- the road went under and then there was a truck that was driving by mm-hmm. and cut it too i think it was the same day so we took that video so mm-hmm. there's there was that road that was my thinking it was a while back we, we covered this case i want to say almost a year ago mm-hmm. that's how long it's been since we've seen all the videos and you know we we've seen the videos of people walking the trail we explained the timeline on the trail so y'all want to go back and look at some of our old you know videos we have some pretty good information on them you know just we've been working on so many other cases and so much other stuff that you know we forget a little bit of the facts here and there sometimes <laughs> you know, yeah, you got right now I'm, I'm learning you know mathematical theories of negation and critical thinking all this fun stuff yeah well boo's trying to take over the world Uh, but here's the thing so it says the bridge guy video wasn't recorded from the phone they found y'all never heard it was downloaded into it and there's a walkie talkie click sound after down the hill frequency sound heard too i don't know i don't don't think that's that would be planted and and this document over here can't find it right now but i read earlier that they claim that the phone that they found underneath libby they found the show on a phone and that this was the phone that recorded or um, sent out the video that they had. So that phone is the phone that they used. It's not necessarily they took the image or the video from that phone, but they believe that's the phone that was used to create the Snapchat. The young man sketch looks like Elvis Fields. I'll pull those up real quick. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I remember the young man sketch. It was different than the one that they finally used. Maybe it's, uh, if it looks like them, they should go ask some questions. They do to everybody else, but we can't accuse people, man, because that, that takes it down the wrong road. You don't want to be down that road. Mm-hmm. If anybody has a picture of Ellis Fields, please email it to me. And if it's in here, let me know what page it is. I haven't gone through one on 137 pages or 36 pages, to be honest with you. Uh, like I said, we just wanted to talk about what the case or the scene was and if it's logical or probable that one person could commit that crime. I don't think so. Not in the time that the prosecution is claiming that it was done in. But yeah, but I don't think it was done by himself. I think that, uh, I think there's some reasonable doubt too, man, at the very least. Yeah, what do you think? What, seven years to finally catch him, I think, if I remember right? Five, seven years. Five, I think. Yeah, it was five it, years. It, it's coming back to my memory now. 
You know, a little bit, but it's hard yeah. to remember all these cases. <laughs> okay, Blue, I do. I remember a lot. And, you know, when it comes to this case, though, we, like I said, we got into this case. Richard Allen was arrested. So that's where that's where our starting point was at. So a lot of these guys aren't. I'm not familiar with. I'm not familiar with Ellis Fields. I'm not familiar with Brad Holder or, or any other gentlemen. I don't know who they are. Any of the men that were um, brought in in this, or in this uh, document, right? So where are you at? You know, I know in the beginning of, of the podcast, you said that you thought that it was just a one person job. Now that you know what has been described as at the crime scene, how how it was laid out to a certain extent. What are your thoughts now? You still think that it was a one person gig? It, it can be a one person gig, but it would be pre-planned to bring all that stuff. And he already had that stuff there. With the time limit to victims, it is a little bit more in my mind that maybe he had some help. Um, mm-hmm. But. I, st- I still think, you know, with all those, we don't have all the evidence. Like I said, if I had the evidence of saying, hey, we found three sets of footprints next to the bodies. Okay, well, that would seem more to believe. That, yeah, now the theory of people being more than one person there is right. You know, so until well, we get all they're... that information. But the hard part is the search party was there too. You know what I mean? And their footprints yeah. are there. So. Yeah. <clears throat> and what if, like, what if, not the sprinkling of the blood part, but what if one of them is part of that religion and they did that because it's like a sign of, you know, like a cross over, like so a Catholic person would do over somebody. And what do you mean? Like one of the one of the search party guys. You know, maybe they did that. Just did that did part what? Of their belief, like did the sticks. But the laying of the body and everything—that's that's too much of a coincidence. And there was too many of them. They said they moved the body when they found them. So I think. Uh, <laughs> I think you know, I don't then, think I don't think I don't think it was a one person gig, man. I don't think that you know when you mentioned the footprints and stuff. There was shoes found, and I think prints going up. Um, you know, on the other side of the river. It didn't seem like there was, you know, more than that, you know, more than, you know, three people. I think that there was possibly somebody waiting on the other side of that bridge. Could have been. And I think that they had this, him coming in the direction that he was going to that and the time and, and him walking there with a purpose and him being seen there and him putting himself there, matching the description of what we see in the video. All those things align to him being bridge guy. I don't think he was the only person. Do you think Ronald Logan could have been involved? Ronald Logan is the guy who, owned the property. He was a guy that was heavily, you know, investigated. He lied. He uh, basically came out <clears throat> with an alibi before the bodies were discovered for the time in which the crime was committed. It sounds like he was asking, well, he asked his cousin for an alibi. And it sounds like when somebody asks an alibi before crime is detected, it usually means they had beforehand knowledge of said crime. Do you think it's possible you know, and I thought, you know, Ronald Logan lying was because he was drinking and he violated his parole, which he went to jail for. But do you think it's possible now, knowing all this and how long they may have had to stay there? I think there's a possibility that it doesn't really sound like there was much blood anywhere, right? No screams. This is broad freaking daylight, dude. Broad daylight. Yeah. You think it's possible that it may it may not even have been committed there? Maybe they took these girls somewhere else and then brought them back? I mean, that, that was a theory in... The FBI's investigation you know, that it was Ronald Logan. Remember, they had he had him pinned as the, the suspect. So it's like, man, the, the, this case is another one for the for the storybooks. You know, where there's so many like theories, Tentacles. and there is there is a little like like a little truth to some of the little I guess you call them tentacles. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know which way to go. If I well, go down that rabbit hole. I'm in the wrong. Uh, I go down the wrong hole. You know, so. Well, Ronald Logan had like a garage and a barn out there. Is it possible that the girls were taken up? To, I mean, it wouldn't have been that far. And we have to remember they're close to homes. So, you know, this document states that as well. They're close to homes, broad daylight. You know, he kept them from screaming. You know, is it possible maybe if Ronald Logan was involved, 
they use maybe his, his barn or storage to commit the crime and then take the take the girls back down. That would give him more time. That would give him more time to be able to do something. And we never found out. I mean, we did find out a little bit of Richard Allen's story, what happened that day. Cause I think he went that same day to the police station, right, to give his statement. Or was it the mm-hmm. next day? I can't remember. I know he went by on his own voluntary to give the statement that he was on the trail. I think it was that night. That night, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe he just did that to, I don't know. And then he could have gone back. Who knows where he went after that? He went home and his wife maybe knows. Maybe on camera going to the, the bar. Or, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, man. It's, it's crazy. But I thought that. There was no way that somebody was going to take the bodies, do a crime somewhere else, and come back. That's crazy. But, you know, if Ronald Logan was involved in him having, you know, building or a structure where this could happen nearby and would be hidden from view, you know, that, that makes a little bit of sense. You know, I don't think that his involvement is further than that, though. You know, he was yeah. an older guy. I don't think he was the guy on the bridge. Yeah, you yeah. know, if you, have, if you have, like, five people and they're all seem pretty youthful you're gonna pick the 78 year old guy to go do the kidnapping part that, that doesn't make any sense so right. yeah i know that they uh they investigate him and they i'm not sure if they ever like cleared him like they, i don't think there's ever been any statement saying that ronald logan had nothing to do with this crime you know I, I just don't think that they've um been able to they haven't found anything that ties him to the crime so there's 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 a couple of different it's not necessarily the clearing like if he had you know video of him somewhere at the time then that would be a clearing where you could positively say hey this is where the guy is but if it's just like his statements and you know and 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 they find out somehow. I didn't think he was clear. I just didn't think that they thought he was the guy. Yeah, I, I know the FBI guy was like for sure it was him, but he was, I guess, found not to be him. Well, he also him. he also made the statement though, Blue. He made the statement that they asked him if if they're gonna find you know DNA or evidence crime scene and or Libby and Abby in his home or barn, and I think his response was like, I don't know. You know why would why would that be the response? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I question that aspect and or maybe perhaps there was maybe not like a like they allowed him to do, you know what I'm saying? Or that he was an active participant in it. Maybe he just allowed them to do this on his property. Supposedly, his phone records put him in the area where the girls were found, you know, later that night. Know that that, you know, technology that they use in that situation to triangulate his location on that property is there's there's a good margin of error in that in that particular part in that particular investigation. I don't think they had the ability, you know, the cast, you know, ability back in 2017 yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know when they started using cast, and then those when they were using triangulation there was always a little a little wow. margin of yeah so you know take that with a grain of salt as well i don't know maybe that's why he went off to go drink during that time you know didn't want to be at home knowing what was going on i mean do you find it coincidental that the the moment that this guy leaves at ron logan is around the time the crime was committed i mean that, that's a pretty good coincidence but <laughs> it can happen <laughs> yeah uh, i mean and they were saying you know how he, he would have struggled going up and down the terrain because of his age but he looked pretty healthy for his age i mean after that he went and did a couple what a year in jail um uh, mm-hmm. he was healthy enough to be able to live i think with general pop in jail so he wasn't kept in like the tick ward yeah but i mean i, I don't think uh folks in jail will find it like too tough to beat up an old guy you know what i mean um he he had he had said that he went fish shopping but i think the cameras and the videos have him a little bit later than he said he was there and it appeared that you know one thing that was kind of fishy about that situation pun intended um was he apparently bought like a 
a large amount of fish that day. That way, you know, the cashier was speculated. That way the cashier would notice him and remember him. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I mean, it's possible that, you know, he's a part of the tonight stuff as well. And, you know, he just, they use this property. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a possibility. One of the, one of the sticks they said that was cut was cut from a saw. Not, not like you broke it or cracked it, right? Ron Logan had those type of equipments that could have made that, you know, cut very close by i think that's why i remember i wondered why i think they were looking at a saw remember i think it was like they were looking at a saw when they did the when we looked at the fbi um affidavit who knows it's been a while like i said i gotta refresh my memories yeah i hear you my man like i i don't know (laughs) i think i think he's involved you know what i'm saying i think he's involved i don't know how involved he is you know is it possible that he walked the girl down the bridge and he just handed those girls off to these five guys or whatever and those guys did what they did and, and he really was involved in it other than that aspect the kidnapping part i don't know it's possible it's yeah. it's pretty crazy though i don't think it, i don't think this was a one-man show though yeah i mean it, it, it's sounding to me like it it's more like it wasn't but one man with that amount of time is capable for a lot i mean look at the other case we're working on, the BK case, where he did an eight minutes. Yeah, but like, you would have to assume he did an eight minutes. Yeah, yeah, but the, yeah, he's, they're he's in this, yet. right? But that that was just the life taking aspect, not the not the staging and the preparation of such, um, you know, ritualistic ceremony that they are, you know, at least alluding that this was. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, this was either a realist ritualistic ceremony or it was designed to look like one to throw police off right either way there was a lot of effort and time put into those type of things to bind the sticks put them on there put in the right position take the clothes off put the clothes on the other little girl while their bodies were wet and probably the clothes is wet if they ran across the, you know the water there. Yeah. yeah so i mean that's going to be difficult they're going to be you know if they've already passed which is what it sounds like you know their bodies you know a body that is just like either asleep or unconscious or lifeless is is a lot heavier than you think, and oh, it's I very difficult to maneuver them. Trust me, I know not not uh, in a weird way, but there, I uh... <laughs> not a weird way. Yeah, it's like how do you know what a dead body feels like? Well, not it wasn't really a dead body, but I was uh at work and I was somebody was walking out the door and then they turned around and sat down because their Uber was there. It's like, hey, Uber's here, you know, you get to go, and they're like, oh, I feel good. I said, oh, okay, you know, uh, you can cancel your Uber, you know, you can see the doctor again, you know. And uh, they're like, well, I don't feel good. I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll bring you back to the to the to the, your patient room so the doctor can see you again. So I, I'm walking her back to the patient room. She's like, I don't feel. And then she stopped talking. I was walking behind her, and I barely caught her, man, before she hit before she hit her head on the the wall, right? And I was already like in the room because she was like falling forward. So yeah. like I grabbed her from the, like the shoulder area and I like picked her up and put her on the bed. Man, my shoulder's been sore for like two days. She was probably like one twenty five though, you know. But catch a dead yeah. like that's pretty pretty heavy on your shoulders. Man. No, I, I know my man. I you know in my profession I've actually had to move um all of the above unconscious lifeless the whole nine yards you know uh, assist with things like that yeah man you know there was one guy who had uh passed yeah and this was a pretty wild situation because apparently late at night uh, according to the father this vehicle pulls up and they basically throw his son out into the yard right that's what his description was of it and the the father he like probably in his late mid to late 80s so he, he was up there in age and and the guy the the kid that died, he was uh, probably about 25, 26, somewhere around there. 
And so I don't know if he was his biological father, if he was his grandpa that raised him, but he said it was his son. You know, the, the weird part was that apparently the father yelled out at those guys who dropped his son off like that because he was outside and I, I don't think they saw him. And what they did was they stopped the car, got out, picked up the uh, the person that passed, put him, took him into the house, took his clothes off or his underwear and laid him on the couch, you know, sideways in case he were to have, you know, puked or whatever. He was apparently highly intoxicated, highly intoxicated. What ended up happening was um, he may have turned or something, but he ended up putting his face, putting his face onto his own and suffocating. You know, when we got there, we, uh, you know, I was helping out the detective in the situation and we had to move the body and Brigger had already set in and it was, it was not easy. You know, yeah, that, guy, that guy was like 220 or something. Like it's stiff and people are heading. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's insane. Wow. Also, Mike, he has an interesting statement. He said, it blows my mind that Ellie didn't even save the sticks that the perp laid upon the victim. No, they didn't do that. They apparently took a sample of the F that was drawn on the uh, on the tree. They didn't cut out the bark or, or take all of it. They just took a sample of it and, and that was it. But yeah, so, you know, for this guy who is five foot four and I, I think... I think Libby was was on the uh, on the heavier side, right? And probably a little bit taller than him and bigger than him. That's going to be tough, man, for one guy to do, in my opinion. And the other thing is, where's there's there's no DNA either. There was no DNA found there on the bodies from anybody. That's weird, man. That's crazy because I mean, even just like moving people around, you're gonna get some DNA coming off your fingertips and stuff. But maybe he was wearing gloves, or, you know, or fibers. But like I said maybe they. I don't think. I think they. They checked the fingernails and everything. There was no nothing, no traces of anything. No man, I don't. I don't think there was. Yeah. If there was, I think they would have gotten Richard Allen's DNA. That would have been one of the first things they did. And they would have yeah. tested it. And I think that unless it was maybe a mixture, I don't, I don't know. This case just Honestly. it's weird, man. But you know, I think that I think a lot of it has to do also is that it happened in a small community with small police department. You know, that's probably not experienced in this type of crime. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that. Like, I, that's, uh, like I know when. My stuff would happen like in a small town I lived in up north. Mm-hmm. I think it's a town of like 800 people. One police officer, and like I remember I got pulled over and he literally made me wait on the side. And it was three of us out in my car and, and uh, like in handcuffs because he's like, oh, it's because three of you I can't handle y'all. So like he put us in cuffs until the other cop from the other town came to assist. And that was like 20 minutes just sitting on the curb with handcuffs. You know? But why? Did y'all pose a threat? Did y'all say no. you were going to hurt him? No. See that's 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 a violation of your civil rights. That's a Fourth Amendment right. You're, you're, you you know, know what I mean? Like I probably said something afterwards, but fucking Boot came out with a mask and a, I, was, yeah, I was like I was like was I was like fifteen, I think fifteen. Yeah, I was driving without a license. You know, like, nah, I was doing donuts in my dad's truck and someone catches. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't catch me until like 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 I was almost home. I was like two blocks home, and that was pretty far. But um, yeah, yeah, he. Uh, well, I'm not. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't do any violations. That's the part that got me more mad. It's like, you didn't do any violations. Like, well, why'd you pull me over? It's like, uh, somebody said, you know, the call was that you're a minor driving without a license. I need to see your license. Oh, that's bull crap. I mean, that's that's legal. An officer can do that, but that's that's weak. That's weak. Because if, if, you, yeah. if you stop somebody and they're not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? If they're over the age, then you just committed an illegal stop. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, yeah. fortunately for that guy, you were... Of illegal, uh, of un, you were underage, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> you were you were not legal at that point. Yeah, dude, I remember one time I did the same thing when I was in high school at the mall, and I just I left right, and I went down the back road, and I could see the lights coming down as I was already leaving. I saw from the distance the lights heading towards the mall, so I stayed on the other side of town the rest of the night. <laughs>
Never got caught, yeah. obviously. Yeah, but, you weren't doing donuts in a small town of like 800 people. That kind of we tried to for what? No, I just went to see a buddy of mine and he did some donuts in his Porsche. I said, I could do them in my F 150. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an experience, my man. That's an experience. I want to thank everybody again. We're going to be signing off. Big Blue, you got any uh, final words for everybody? No, y'all take care, everybody. Thank you for being on with us today. I'll take care. And remember, this is a, also a sad story of two young ladies that lost their lives. Um, sure I think it is. Those to the family. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't imagine. You know, I don't know if they knew about this type of detail or information about what was going on. It must breaking. You know, having to hear this or, or whatnot for them. So, yes, our thoughts and prayers go out to them. We want, again, thank everybody, and we'll see you guys on Friday night. Peace out.